0: Welcome to the Lance Wallnow show today's show is sponsored by birch gold visit LanceWallnow.com forward slash birch wait until you hear what happened at our latest live event lance is bringing down the house let's jump in we're going to do a little exercise now that got me in real trouble uh i used to do this thing where i would take a scene out of the movie gladiator where they would all lock their shields and uh and and the uh, maximus would tell them as they locked their shields in the middle of the arena, he would say, as the chariots are coming down, to roll them over and break them up. He said, hold, hold. And then as they came forward, he said, as one. And then when he said as one, boom, they all shouted back, as one. And they locked their shields. And when they did that, the chariots hit them and boom, were repulsed. And I looked at that when, the, when this was like year 2000, 1999, whenever that movie came out. And it was just, so the spirit of God hit me in that uh, theater, and said the day will come when the gates of hell are going to release an assault against the church. But the church that has warriors that can lock their shields will repulse it. So let's start the conference by activating that gladiator spirit. Put your right hand up in the air. On the count of three, you're going to bring it down strong, a prophetic statement. You're going to say, as one, just like that. Now, now uh, I want you to do this with... Uh, almost like a spiritual aggression, because it's not just, you know, this isn't like a Tony Robbins moment, this is a prophetic gesture, because prophetically, bam, you're releasing something. All right, run the count of three, ready? One, two, three, Has one! Oh, very good. All right, you may be seated. And there is something about those gestures, you know, like the, uh, the prophet that was, uh, remember the old prophet told the king, take the arrows? and smite them on the ground. And the, and the king kind of hit it three times, and the prophet was irritated with him. He said, what's the matter with you? Why did you do that? Why didn't you smite them five or six times? So I look at how people do that, and I go, well, it tells you a little bit about whether their inner man is really in the battle or it's disconnected. I've got two interesting new products. I just found them. I didn't even know we had them. But um, I'm always happy to find something new, because you can get stuck with um, new messages, but you don't always kind of put them out there and get them out there. But this is interesting, end time Jesus. This this one came to me because I was thinking about how prophets can see things but not necessarily get the right timing on it and then it creates a confusion right. on people all over the place. Well, they must have missed it. Well, maybe not. So, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. He's going to... Um, He's going to to bring unquenchable fire. He's going to separate the harvest. And what he was seeing was the end time ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus comes back in Thessalonians in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon his enemies. So John the Baptist saw the manifestation, but he didn't get the timing right. And even Jesus said to him, he said, this is the greatest of all the prophets. It wasn't a slight on John. It was that he saw the end and thought it was going to happen then, which is why when Jesus was, you know, multiplying party beverage for a wedding and healing people, and everybody's all happy. He's going, this isn't what I saw. Are you, he, or or am I supposed to look for somebody else? Because he saw a different administration. He saw a warrior taking over. He didn't see a a healer that was, um, you know, an itinerant preacher. And so I'm suggesting to you that we're living in the day now where you're in danger, of having such an incubation of a Jesus that was suitable for a previous era of time that when the warrior shows up, you don't even know if it's Jesus. So when when the enemy comes against you, and if you don't know the warrior Jesus in the last days, your, your intimacy is not the right response to some battles. You're attacking back against the enemy is what God requires of you. So sometimes you have to be able to push back and, and not just press in to the Lord. So that's a different kind of administration. This will help you get your timing in the right way. And the other thing I thought was interesting is this Melchizedek thing. Because um, I believe that, you know, the end time ministry of Jesus, again, is supposed to be according to the order of Melchizedek. I've got 30 minutes with you guys, so I'm going to give it to you like you're all Bible students. And, uh, I'm, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to—I'll be like Jordan Peterson. I'm just going to talk to you like you all can handle it and just let you hear it. So the Melchizedek thing is that here is two alchemies that come together. It's a kingly anointing and a priestly anointing. Now, this is interesting because a kingly anointing has lateral dominion on the earth. According to the sphere that is assigned to a king, they have dominion over the territory. Spiritually, that means the kingly anointing has territory on earth where the devil has to submit to you because you have been given authority over him in that sphere. And so that's the earthly side of it. Now the priestly side, Zechariah, the prophet, was talking to Joshua, the priest, and he said, "Uh, if you will walk with God in the way that God wants you to walk, then he will give you places to stand among those that are standing in third heaven by him. In other words, you'll go up into into a position in the heavenlies where you're going to be hearing throne room strategies, speaking out what's from your own heart, and you will come down with an authority that commissions you because you're in the very atmosphere of heaven authorizing activity on the earth. So if you'll walk with me, I'm going to put you up there with those that are standing in the the entourage of the throne of God. Now, you put those two together, and what you have is an anointing that you're invited to step into, which gives you intimacy at the throne of God where you can hear what God wants to do in your life, through your life, in the earth, and you can come down with that spiritual authority as an intercessor, as a prophet, as a worshiper, and then be able to operate in a realm of authority over circumstances, situations, and territory God's assigned to you for the Great Commission. The church is all this way and not this way. And that's the reason why there's so much Dislocation the body of Christ because and and what it does is it creates a longing to leave rather than a decision to occupy. Jesus said, occupy one you know till I come. He didn't say be preoccupied with when you're getting out. So if you put these two together, they'll mess with you in a good way. Hallelujah. And the net net result is becoming unstoppable. And this is like my higher-end stuff because I work with CEOs, I've got like a hundred. Uh, CEOs I work with, and this is the stuff that I I would do with them. And it's really about how your agreements shape your identity. And so what you agree with is, you know, when the devil attacks you, here's the mischievous thing about the devil. He doesn't externally talk to you or you go, that's the devil. It's It's called internal dialogue. Everyone here thinks and speaks at the rate of 1,500 words a minute. I may be talking fast, but you're thinking faster. You're finishing my thoughts. You're wandering around, coming back to what I'm saying. Your own thoughts is where the enemy comes in and infuses himself. That's why you've got to take every thought captive to uh, the Word of God. Bring every imagination captive. Yours, especially because if you get in the habit of bringing yours under, the devil will be more conspicuous. It's like, well, I don't normally think that way. Where is that coming from? I see i got to go down a weird road. So when I was doing CEO work as a consultant... I didn't want to be in the world. I wanted to be in the ministry. All my friends were in Bible college. They were all going to go the route of signs and wonders, ministry, revival. And I was longing to go there. But the Lord had a different route for me. I was in New York at a corporation. And I thought that as soon as I finished my assignment in that corporation, God would release me to my ministry, teaching and preaching like some of my friends were doing. And so I was anxious to finish that assignment. So I thought, really, no, I'm going to do it. I'm consulting here in and where I was was interesting. It's called Babylon, New York. That was my headquarters. <laughs> Corporate headquarters in Babylon. So here I am, and I'm in Babylon, and, I, and I'd walk around the, the building at night, and I would pray, and i intercede, and i pray and intercede. Now, here's a weird thing. As I walked around the building, praying, kind of like figuring like Jericho, walk around the building, pray for salvation, pray for God to do whatever He wants me to do, pray, he help me to do it so I could be free from this assignment and go on and do my ministry. And while I'm walking around, I would experience invariably different moods and emotions and thoughts would come over me. And it was very weird. Uh, When I was in the customer service department, we had a lot of, uh, this sounds sexist, I know, but we had a lot of single young women. And when I walked through there, I had all these longing, emotional, romantic unfulfillments going on. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I better find a wife. I need to get married. And I was all preoccupied like with a different realm. Then I'd leave that and I went through the union department and I felt the hostility. And I started feeling agitated, like, I gotta get out of this business, man. I need to be in the ministry. I shouldn't even be here. I'll pray, let me pray. Then I go through the management department and I feel this mind-binding like witchcraft on my mind. And then I walk through the sales department, and there was this kind of uh, this kind of weird kind of like. Uh, manipulation was coming over I me. and I was thinking about, you know, I could make some money here, though. You know, I'm making, I was making like $1,000 a day. It was like I was the rich young ruler. I wanted to leave it to go into ministry. I'm thinking, but you know, I could, if I could be here and make some money and then you know, have a nest egg. And, I, and I, by the time I was done walking around trying to be an intercessor, I felt so backslid and defiled that I was ready to repent. I said, you see, Lord, this is why I shouldn't be in the world. I'm built for ministry. I can't even walk around and pray in these places. And the Lord said, what's the matter with you? When you're with me, before you go to that office, you're fine. When you come home, you're fine. When you're there, you pick up on what's in the atmosphere. Dummy, it's not you. It's in the atmosphere. You're in there interceding. And when you're praying, you're experiencing the environment that you're hitting. I wonder how many of you are wrestling with devils that you think are you. How many of you are having battles with thoughts, and you're not realizing it's, it's the environment that you're in, and you're, you're literally under the influence, like being in a smoke-filled room. You smell smoky, and you're constantly whipping yourself, thinking, is it me? Is it me? No, it's the room. Yeah. So I realized, I thought, oh, wait a second. You're right. I don't have any of that now that I'm back at the hotel, because so I was traveling to Massapequa. I stayed at a hotel, and then I go to office, the corporate office, and work there. And so it's like, I don't have it when I'm here. So the next day, I went back. This time, I realized my thoughts that I was having were actually an interaction with the environment and the spirits that were in that area because they were authorized by the people who invited them in. Does this make sense to you? I'm trying to show you how to 3D the map of the world you're in so that you can see the spiritual dimension a little bit more clearly. So then I started binding and loosing. When I got those Uh, you know, those angry thoughts, I would begin to loose the spirit of grace and peace, and I'd be releasing a spirit of wisdom and reconciliation. Management, I was releasing binding witchcraft. I was losing wisdom and persuasion. Now, weird thing happened. I had more authority every day I was in that office, and people started getting saved in the office and coming to me for solutions. I did not understand what was going on. I actually was so ignorant, I thought the devil was trying to promote me into the company to keep me from my ministry. <laughs> I had a meeting, a board of directors meeting with the president of the company. All the other managers were there, and I had written out a strategy. Well, here's what I did I took from Isaiah, I took from the Bible, I, I wrote out the problems and challenges the company had, I laid it on the floor, I lifted my hands, I prayed in the Spirit. I prayed in the Holy Ghost, I prayed, and then I began to look for solutions, had divine appointments, giving me answers to the problem, wrote out the marketing plan for the company, figured this is it, I'm I'm going to be done when I give them their marketing plan. I was a consultant. So I kind of, uh, I get into the board meeting, all the other managers are there, here's the board of directors, and a weird thing happens, because I'm Pentecostal in my background, And so when I was young in Pentecost, we used to have this, something would hit you when you start to prophesy. And you'd feel this kind of like something come into the room. And we always had like a weird little way we'd start the prophecy off. This is old school Pentecost. We used to say, thus saith the Lord. It was kind of like, it's like the old lawnmowers. you pull the cord. It was like, thus saith the Lord. And that would get you going. And you go deliver the word. So I'm standing up there in front of the, the boardroom. And all of a sudden, it's like, I feel that, oh, my God, what just hit me? Oh, no, it's the prophetic. The prophetic in the boardroom of the corporation in Babylon. I'm thinking, I can't say, thus saith the Lord. They'll think I've lost my mind. So I didn't say, thus saith the Lord. I said, and this is what you must do. And I I commanded them like it was Jesus talking to them. I told them exactly what they had to do and why their company wasn't working, what they needed to do to get it straightened out. And when I got done, it was the weirdest thing. Mr. Orzak, the president of the company, sitting at the other end of the table, you would have thought it was Handel's Messiah. He stood up and gave a standing ovation. And he's all by himself applauding. So every other manager realized they don't want to leave the boss alone applauding, so they all got up and applauded with him. And right away I knew those other people aren't going to like me very much because I'm now like Daniel in Babylon. I'm competition. But I also saw how praying in tongues moving in the prophetic, operating and deserting the spirits, binding and loosing, working with angels, deserting demons is all part of the nomenclature of the Christian life. And and if you don't integrate all of these components into your life, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait until you're up on a platform like this? Let me tell you something. Only 10% of this room is supposed to be close to doing the ministry work on the stage or behind the scenes or in the music ministry. Why do I know that? Because I know biblical numbers. I'm an Ashkenazi Jew on my father's side. I come from a long line of rabbis. We are Levites. We come from the tribe of Cohen. That's my Levitical tribe. I am a tongue-talking Levite in your midst right now. Both of my brothers are professors. They, don't, they haven't accepted Jesus. They're all mad at me, but it's okay. They'll come into the kingdom eventually. But I've, I come from a line of teachers. We're rabbis. What can we, we can't help ourselves. So here, here's, here's the thing I want you to understand. 10% of Israel is called to the temple priesthood. 90% is called to expand the empire. That means God has the Joshuas as generals. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He was a ruler. And you got the whole book of Joshua, how they took the area of the Amalekites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Ven and the... They were taking different territory. And God has territory for the body of Christ. But it comes about when we integrate, like I'm doing with you right now, weaving together the things of the Spirit into the realm of the natural so that you don't have to live in a dichotomy of going to church here only in order to experience God. You then can unpack the mystery of the kingdom into whatever area you go into. And the prophetic will be talking to you in that place because God has a harvest for you in that place. Does that make sense to you? Well, I just took half my preaching time to exhort you spontaneously. But I, mean, but I, f- I feel like I, this has to be said because I want you to feel the invitation into this thing, this, this seven mountains, this concept uh, that is out there. It really comes down to this. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. Amen. Jesus already has all authority on earth. We have a theology that postpones everything till the Antichrist shows up, the end times, the horrors, and we get out of here. I would suggest to you that you start rethinking this whole thing. Let's just say that all authority in heaven and earth has already been given to Jesus. Amen. And he says to you, go therefore. So rather than you um, wondering about how bad it's going to get, You should be looking to see what part of the inheritance of Jesus is actually given to you. Because there are angels that are unemployed. And I'm sorry to say that. They're they're unemployed angels. I led a guy to the Lord once who who ended up working for Walt Disney Disney Studios as a cartoonist. And I led him to the Lord. And he was in my church when I had a church. And uh, his last thing he could do, he had to sign away on a contract, his ability to do any artwork for anybody else on planet Earth, because Disney owned him the moment he signed that contract. He said, Pastor, uh, before I sign the contract, I'm going to do one final independent piece of work, so I can never draw another independent piece of work once I'm under contract with Disney. He painted a picture for me of an angel sitting down, sword and ready for war, sitting, watching. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, maybe you know, angels were sitting on the stone in Jesus' uh, resurrection, and the angels were there, and you know, maybe this is kind of—I'm like, trying to figure out. Maybe I need to teach him a little bit because, after all, he is a young disciple. You know, David, angels are ministering spirits sent forth like flames of fire. They're active and vigilant. They're purposeful, and they're—they're they're moving at a speed which your human eye cannot even detect but they're an active agency. They're not lethargic or apathetic. He said, well, pastor, I've been thinking about that. And you know how you're saying that angels have been assigned to us because everyone has been given a work, Jesus said, to everyone his work. He said, and you said that there are angels that have been assigned so that our salvation, our deliverance, our protection, that these angels are, as much as there's devils out there, there are angels that are there also. And then I'm wondering what happens to the angels when the majority of the body of Christ refuses to go do the adventure God called them to? I think they watch over the person they've been assigned to, but since they're not doing anything, they just sit and watch like the angels that were waiting for the women to come to the tomb. And I thought, maybe, this, maybe God's talking to me through this young guy. Maybe, I'm not, maybe he isn't missing it. And I'm beginning to think about this. Jesus has been promised nations for his inheritance. I don't even think we believe that. Because when we talk about the inheritance of Jesus, we talk about souls. Souls. And you know the problem with talking about souls? I could talk to you about all the souls getting saved in China, all the Muslims having dreams, oh, we're all happy. But you see, you can't quantify that. But if I talk to you about territory that is being acquired by God on the earth, the kingly anointing taking on territory, it actually is measurable. You can see it with your eyes. And so uh, the, the will of God is that there would be more territory taken. Yes. And, you know, while we're praying it, I, because I believe this so strongly, I see God at work in our day in ways that many of us do, do not see. For instance, I pray for people before they get saved. The churches sometimes are all nervous about Elon Musk, and they're nervous about, like, Peterson, they're nervous about Russell Brand. I'm already, I'm, if you ever watch me, I do, like, late-night prayer walks, And I'll sometimes do broadcasts, and I call it Red Rover, Red Rover. I'm calling Russell Brand over. And I call him over. We do a prayer intercession. We're claiming him for the kingdom of God. Sure enough, whether it's Tucker Carlson or Jordan Peterson, all of them eventually start moving. They're walking their way towards the light, and they're they're, they're coming closer and closer all the time. (laughs) Meanwhile, Elon buys Twitter, loses money, but shakes out the intelligence services that were using Twitter in order to create counterfeit false narratives that would be reinforced by their lackeys in the media world. And so they were creating this, this global manipulation of information on Twitter. And the moment that Elon took it, he shook them out. They don't have authority there anymore. Now it's actually a platform which proliferates with whatever people want to say. They just go ahead and say Now I'm looking at that and going, Actually, the church is missing it because we're looking for well, while that he gets saved. And we're, we're, our, our analysis of the penetration of the kingdom. So it's like when I'm talking about walking around that corporate office. I'm sh- I was shallow at first because to me it was like either it's, I'm in the ministry or I'm in business. And the Lord said, don't you get it? All of my people are in ministry. And the whole world belongs to me. It's like, ah. So. I'm going to give you a real quick picture right now because I don't know if I've get a chance to do this again later. I'm going to give you a framework for the rest of your life during this period of extraordinary shaking that is happening on planet Earth. I've been preaching for a couple of years. I was in Israel. I have family in Israel, uh, as you might imagine. I have a sister. And uh, I was in Israel preaching during the Feast of Tabernacles. I left the feast when Hamas attacked. And I was preaching. What do you think I was preaching? Strange coincidence. I was preaching the book of Haggai where the prophet Haggai, I believe, is the prophet. I've been saying this for the last four or five years. I wrote it in a book on Trump. I said, here we are now. People are always wondering about, they they put prophets in a weird position where they're having to predict, you know, who's going to win the election, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. I say, that's not the best utilization of the prophetic anointing. What you should be really doing is taking a look at the prophetic pattern because the pattern is always accurate. The specifics can fade in and fade out. So what I realized was that the pattern we are in right now, I'm going to do this really rapid, 1948, Israel comes back to become a nation. This is a rather unusual and incredible miracle, probably the biggest thing that happened in the last 100 years, that a people who were scattered around the earth for 2,000 years into 100 different nations should all, within a matter of a couple of years, come back to the original territory that they were in, speaking the same language and practicing the same beliefs. Never in history has it ever happened. But God said he was going to regather them back into Israel. So in 1948, that thing started. Now, since 1948, I believe we're in the pattern of Israel returning to the land. Well, when did that happen? It happened when they were dispersed into Babylon and then regathered again. And that's the story of Cyrus. Let me say this again. If I can find the pattern... Of when Israel was scattered throughout the earth and then supernaturally regathered, I might find the pattern of what's happening historically since 1948. And once I see the pattern accelerating in our own circumstance in America, I could fractally break it down and see the pattern repeating itself, repeating itself, repeating itself. So here's the pattern, I'll give it to you real fast. First of all, God raises up a ruler, Cyrus. This is why I said, and I could hear your uh, I was very bold of you to mention Trump in here. The fact of the matter is, when Donald Trump was running, and I was brought up, I was invited up to go meet with him when he was uh, was running for office, I actually was doing my Seven Mountains teaching, and I didn't even know why I was going up to the Trump meeting for the conference room. I found out. The reason I was there is because there was a man who heard me speaking in a kind of like rickety warehouse in Florida, on metal chairs, and it was a, I remember the event, event, because when I got done speaking there, I said, I'm wasting my life. What am I doing? I got friends of mine on TBN, they got global ministries, and I'm running around with my little seven mountain theory of uh, of what God's <laughs> doing on in, in warehouses on metal chairs, and I remember doing my little seven, Mountain. well, the guy that was hired to put people in Trump's presence for the church was in the audience that night, and so he's the one that made me go meet Trump, and he put me in the room with him. So I'm with him, and I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing here? I'm not involved with politics. I'm not involved with race. There was all kinds of racial issues going on at that time. I'm not involved with economics. I mean, I comment on these things. I left the world system in corporate America in order to go be totally committed to being a Levite and a rabbi to the body of Christ. Now here I am and at the apprentice, Mr. Trump is like known for the apprentice. And, and when I'm sitting there, I kid you not, the Holy Spirit said, I said, What am I doing here, Lord? The Lord said to me, Every time you pray in tongues, you tell me this is what you want to do. Now I'm up to my eyeballs in the battle for American culture. Back then, I was a commentator. Now I'm in the arena having to do as one. Every time you pray in tongues, which tells me something, you should be praying in tongues a lot more, because your tongues are taking you where your head hasn't gone. So I get back home, and the Lord says to me, the next president of the United States will be an Isaiah 45 president. I'm thinking, the next president of the United States, then the Lord says, the 45th president will be Isaiah 45. I thought, I'm not used to hearing God talk like that. I have, you know, thus saith the Lord. I'm not hearing. I'm hearing something in my ear. I go. This could be a deceiving spirit. I bind every voice. I start binding. The thought comes back. The 45th president will be in Isaiah 45. I thought, man, I'm in some weird stuff now. I thought I want to try the spirits. So I decided to test the spirits. I should have gone to Isaiah 45 instead. I went to Google. I go to Google. I put in, what number is the next president? And then it says, number 45. I go, oh, my gosh, number 45. Now I go to Isaiah 45. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, whom I've anointed. You're going to go through the two-leaf gates of Babylon. You're going to break the, uh, the gates of iron. I'm going to do this for my people Israel's sake, though you do not know me, because I am a God who disguises himself. Well, exactly, Wow. I said, whoever heard of this? God, thus says the Lord of Cyrus, whom I've anointed. Why would God anoint someone that doesn't even know him? This was messing with all my Benny Hinn theology. (laughs) Cyrus. And I realized God was repeating this thing with Cyrus Trump. Now, I'm telling you, this is the fractal pattern. It repeats itself. When Cyrus came along, the first thing he did was he issued a decree. And, of course, Israel has his embassy. That's how come I know Trump is a modern-day Cyrus because Netanyahu went to the White House and he said, Mr. President, the Jewish people have a long memory and we remember Cyrus of old and we will always remember you. Netanyahu was the one that connected Trump with Cyrus. So what I had written about him a year before he was elected was proven true. I even heard the Lord tell me, it's written, it's documented, 2015 I wrote it. The media will coin a new term. They will lose their minds. It will be called Trump derangement. I predicted Trump derangement syndrome as a language. I predicted the name Cyrus as a language. I just don't talk a lot about being prophetic because then people expect me to prophesy over them, and it's just it's hard to teach and prophesy at the same time. <laughs> Cyrus Trump, and what did they do? The Jews had to go back, and he sent them back to go rebuild the house, to build the house. It's to build the ecclesia, if you don't mind me saying so where we are now, is still working on stage two. I would say that America has been floundering because the church hasn't been up to the task of keeping up with the territory God wants to give it. Let me say that again, because there are knuckleheads right now all over the country attacking me because they're accusing me of uh, being a deranged uh, idolater Because I'm telling the people of God, you've got to focus not just on your own church, but on the nation. So the ecclesia, they had to go rebuild the ecclesia, so they had to build the house. God will give you rulers for the purpose of the church becoming apostolic as the ecclesia. What's the ecclesia? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Where are the gates of hell located? They're in your government. They're in your media. They're in your corrupt department of justice. And you read them. If you got eyes to see, you can see where the enemy's at work. And if you subscribe to the, the thinking that I had, fair enough, you could do it for a while, but you can't be deluded forever that what we need is a move of God. A move of God is still focused on us. How narcissistic are we? We're not the ones that need this. It's the world that needs what we've got. So, the house gets visited with revival, but revival has to move into reformation. What does that mean? After they built the house, then Nehemiah comes along and starts to rebuild walls. How interesting. There are whole nations discussing why we have 9 million people coming to the United States without being vetted. We don't even know who they are because the government is letting it happen, nine million, it's no borders, no walls. The walls are down in the nation because the walls are down in the church. So the walls and gates got rebuilt by Nehemiah. He put them back up. This is the sequence of events. So it goes from Cyrus to the house, to the walls being built. While this is happening, an awakening is taking place because God is giving His people prophetic visitation while they're rebuilding their ecclesia and recapturing dominion in their territory. So I'm just going to, I'll stop right there to say this. The Spirit of God doesn't want you discouraged by circumstances or events because I haven't had a chance to go through all these Bible verses. I'll, I'll get to some tomorrow night. But when it talks about the end time, and I was talking here in this, in this Haggai chapter, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, God says, I'm going to shake everything that can't be shaken. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. That verse, shaking everything that can't be shaken, happens to happen on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which happens to be... October 6th, when Hamas attacked Israel, the verse that prophesies the end-time shaking of nations was fulfilled and inaugurated on the day Haggai prophesied it in 524 B.C., October 6th. So, so there you have it. You have that day already in the Bible saying, when will this happen? When will, what will be the beginning of the unraveling? So if the earth is going to shake... Here's what it says in, in, in the book of Hebrews. Yet once more, God has promised. That's an interesting word. God has promised he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm so happy I found that verse in Hebrews. Because if I was just in Haggai, I'd be going, oh Hamas, world shaking, world wars, nations, economies, leave, leave, are we getting out of here? But here's what God says. I'm behind the shaking. Because by doing the shaking, I am going to expose what cannot be shaken, and I'm going to remove the things that are militating against the advancement of my glory. It says in Hebrews, I'm going to remove those things that are made, that can be shaken, in order that what cannot be shaken may be made manifest. So God's behind us. Here's what I want you to catch. Jesus is right now, when we talk about, you know, um, Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, look up, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. Your redemption draws near. I looked this up. Fascinating word in Gedzi. It literally means that Jesus drew near to the city. Jesus drew near to where a funeral was taking place. It refers not to God drawing near on the calendar some point in the future, but literally heaven physically drawing nearer to the earth. What it means is, look up, because the kingdom is coming near to a theater near you. Now, what's happening is, the shaking that's happening is, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Now, track with me here. If we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, then clearly what is being shaken is principalities and powers in heavenly places principalities and powers in heavenly places. And then Jesus says in Luke, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. It's Satan that's being shaken. And because he has connection on the earth, the earth is shaking because Satan's kingdom is being shaken. What I'm trying to say to you is, I want you to have a set of lenses that looks at the news differently than you have. Instead of being traumatized by every unsettling development that you look at. I want you to recognize that God has promised this shaking. He's in control of the time that it happens. And he said, when it begins to happen, look up, because my kingdom is coming nearer every day. So, if the kingdom is coming nearer, then Satan is coming down. This is why you're going to see darkness. Gross darkness covers the earth. But upon you, upon my people, see, the Bible says, shall my light shine, you Actually, you're at a place where the glory of God is visiting you more and more. While the darkness is indeed increasing out there, you can't be looking at the darkness because I'm trying to tell you the reason why it's getting dark is because Satan is being pushed out. So therefore, the promise of shaking is happening right now. And the Spirit of God is saying he's got promises for you. You're in the place right now as a church where you are planting something extraordinary in the earth. I go to all kinds of churches. I work with all kinds of places. You are an apostolic ecclesia being built in the territory that other people would say would be like foreign territory over here in California, but what you're doing is you're demonstrating like the church in Ephesus, the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi. You're like the first century believers plopped right down in the pagan darkness. And you're only going to increase and get stronger so long as you keep expanding. Does that make sense? We're entering a period of time that has increased hostility against people of faith. It's a time when Christians are gonna be tested on a moral, physical, psychological, and even a financial basis. I'm here to remind you that God is the one who has blessed you thus far, and he will take care of you in the future. You have a divine responsibility, however, to see trouble and prepare yourself. For example, with record inflation eating away at the value of the U.S. dollar, The savings in your retirement account is in danger of slipping away. I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. Now that includes no penalties, there's no taxes, when you transfer current retirement funds into Birch Gold. To see how it works, I want you to go to lancewellnaut.com forward slash Birch and get your free info kit, and you'll be glad that you did. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.